Coming up on This Week in Games, remember Microsoft's cloud gaming console, EA has Q1 earnings, and a board game giant is targeted by an equity company. Coming up This Week in Games. Welcome to This Week in Games. I'm Eric McConnell here to break down all the gaming goodness for the week, and we have quite the variety of stories to cover this week, so let's dive in. And first off, Thoreau reporting Microsoft is planning a streaming-only console for 2020. So, the story goes Microsoft will launch next generation of Xbox in 2020, but there'll be two consoles instead of one, one being the traditional kind of iterative, better processor, better graphics card, better RAM, blah, blah, blah. And the other will be a cheaper streaming-only console. The development name of both of these consoles is Scarlet, and I'll say this is big. Because finally, one of the big three, being like Sony, Microsoft, and uh, Nintendo, is ready to embrace the future and that streaming consoles. Just think, I think uh, Roku Premiere or whatever costs about $100. What if... The next Xbox costs $100. And what if you don't ever need to upgrade it, really, because it's just streamed? I mean, unless you get a 4K TV, 8K TV, maybe then you need to upgrade it. But it doesn't need better hardware. And frankly, the games just have better graphics year over year because the games will have better graphics. And your streaming device doesn't matter what it is. So this is big, and I can't wait. And I hope it's true, and I hope it's not a BS rumor. Obviously, Sony has been one foot in, one foot out of this for a while. They have their own product up right now, testing the market. Nintendo's nowhere to be seen in cloud gaming. I'm still surprised Nintendo can get multiplayer matchmaking working without some 18-bit hexadecimal uh, friend code that you have to enter in. Um, So yeah, we'll see what happens, but good on Microsoft. And not to be outdone, Square Enix partners with Blacknut for a little cloud gaming experiment. So Blacknut is a smaller cloud gaming platform that streams to Amazon Fire TV, Android TV, PC, Mac, and Linux. Square Enix is testing the waters with their mobile offerings. So things like Lorecroft Go, Hitman Go, Deus Ex Go, and Hitman Sniper. So these games will be on Blacknut for streaming. However, none of the major games like Final Fantasy XV will be available. So it's less of a dramatic announcement than the one for Xbox, but still really interesting to see Square Enix also dipping their toes in this, seeing how it goes. I mean, obviously right now these platforms probably aren't very profitable, so there's no reason to put your juggernaut $60 uh, games on there that also have microtransactions. But, you know, I think eventually it's just going to come to this. And then... You know, probably retail stores like GameStop will have to convert to sell toys or something else because, you know, brick-and-mortar video game sales will probably go down the toilet in the next 10 years. And next up, former Quantic Dream employee wins court case against developers. So, if you remember, I reported earlier this year, Quantic Dream, it's a French, French game developer, French publications... Three of them ran stories on the horrible working conditions on Contact Dreams, and they described the work environment as promoting homophobia, racism, sexism, and Nazism. (laughs) Um, The CEO went on to say he would sue two of the three publications reporting on it. I don't remember what happened to that, 
but one employee left over the environment has won a lawsuit against the company, and it kind of has an interesting twist. So basically, under French law, if you terminate your own contract with a company, you can actually sue the company on grounds of unfair dismissal and effectively win your salary for the rest of the year. That's how I understand it. So to do this, you have to sue saying you quit or forced to quit based on a stance of the company or something the company did. And it kind of makes sense in this kind of space. If the CEO was promoting all these terrible things about a work environment, you felt you couldn't work there anymore and you didn't want to tolerate that, you quit and sue them. Kind of makes sense. So one employee has won their case against Quantic Dreams. There's a few other employees currently suing them, I think two or three more. So we'll see how those go. And to the CEO of Quantic Dream, you suck. All right, next up, Dota 2 players in Netherlands can now see what is in loot boxes before they purchase them. That's so weird. (laughs) So in a hilarious compromise to Dutch and Belgium gaming regulations, Valve now shows Dutch players Dota 2 contents of loot boxes before they purchase them. Is this the way the future? Probably not, (laughs) but it would be absolutely hilarious if this triggered some kind of like unknown psychological response and then loot boxes were even more powerful and crazy over there and they're like, oh, we can't stop kids from buying loot boxes now that they know what's inside. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's a pretty lazy compromise by Valve and I like it because it shows that Valve really has no other alternative um, and they don't want to invest restructuring the business model just for that small market. All right, so let's get to some business news. And like I said before, we have EA Q1 earnings. So EA beats Q1 guidance with $1.13 billion in net revenue. However, total revenue for the quarter was down $300 million from 2017. And frankly, it's probably because EA didn't do much in Q1. So most of their revenue, as you can imagine, will happen in Q1, uh, FIFA World Cup. What does EA own? They own the FIFA video game. So most of the revenue is driven by that event tie-in and really haven't done much in a while. And it's just kind of like the state of big-time publishers where if you aren't investing in these small indie projects to continually release week over week, then you just kind of have to wait for your three to four giant games a year. And if you don't have one of those a quarter, then it's kind of a wash. All right, this is an interesting story, and I'm curious to see. So in America, we had kind of the same thing with Facebook buying Oculus. I guess it would be the closest parallel to this. But LineCorp, the Japanese company LineCorp, acquires controlling stake in Nextfloor. So LineCorp is a Japanese subsidiary of basically the Korean Google And LineCorp is known for a lot of their call and messaging products, specifically Line. And Line is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, messaging platform in Japan. And it's one of the biggest in all of Asia. Obviously a direct competitor to WeChat. Nextfloor is a Korean mobile developer known for a hit game called Dragonflight. So... Why would LineCorp buy them? LineCorp has stated that the acquisition was the move into game publishing and development with plans to target mobile, duh, makes sense, and Nintendo Switch. So that's an interesting one. So I guess maybe diversify? I don't really know. It would be like if uh, Instagram just started buying game developers. I don't know. 
even though Instagram is obviously owned by Facebook now, it, it's a hard to find a parallel. It's a very out of left field thing. And, uh, you know, a Japanese company buying a Korean company, but the Japanese company is owned by a Korean parent company. It's just the whole thing's weird. And they're targeting Switch. I don't know. Maybe they're just bored and they don't know what to do with all their money. Hopefully we don't see this type of development over here. So another interesting story this week, and this goes into board games, but I really wanted to cover it because it's big time board gaming news. Pi Partners bids for the acquisition of board game giant as Modi in a $1.4 billion deal. So when you ask yourself, like, what? How could a board game company be worth $1.4 billion? Well, it's pretty simple. As Modi publishes almost all the giants of board gaming right now, including Settlers of Catan and the entire Catan series, as well as Ticket the Ride um, and a lot of Day of Wonder games, and they also distribute Pokemon and Magic cards in certain territories. So, as Modi is about as big as you can get in board game and card game publishing, Pi Partners is a French equity firm that shares the same parent company as a Modi. The parent company being called Eurozio. Um, I haven't heard of that before. It's really weird that an equity company, shares the same parent company as a board game publishing giant, and then wants to pull the board game publishing giant underneath their wings. So, Pi Partners alludes to expanding as Modi's reach worldwide and plans on acquiring more publishers in the process. What's really worrisome to me is when you go with these equity firms, when you really look at what they do, rarely do they invest in something for the reasons that they want to grow it. What really happens is they do some tricky accounting and realizes that, that they can like strip a company either a la Toys R Us, staddling it up with debt and then stripping all the valuable assets and then paying themselves a giant fee and buying a company for free and so on and so on. Or in this sense, maybe Pi Partners ran the numbers and it's like, huh, you know, you're you're only worth 1.4 billion, but you should be worth like five billion, and you have all these IPs and publishing rights underneath you. We're just gonna take you over, and then we're gonna strip everything of value from you and leave you hanging and dry, and then throw you off to the side, and we'll make the you know difference 3.6 billion and keep it for ourselves. So I'm really worried that that's what's happening here. But we'll see what happens with this Modi and Pi Partners. Another interesting news for the week, Jam City files for IPO. So Jam City, you know, really known for their Cookie Jam. Uh, it's a match three game, I think. Cookie Jam. Lately, though, they released Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery. It was constantly in the top ten. So... After Harry Potter, and I guess the success, they plan to file for IPO. The IPO is currently being evaluated at $1 billion. What's interesting is I'm pretty sure Jam City was going to file for IPO like two or three years ago and held off because I don't think the sales reached what they expected. So then they probably paid a butt ton of money to Warner Brothers to get the Harry Potter license on mobile. Ran this shell of a Harry Potter game. I mean, it was kind of like clumsily put together. Um, and then they get their numbers up, and then now they're going to IPO. So really, it just reeks, absolutely reeks of um, 
the people at the top of GMC, the people who funded it and everything, just trying to get whatever they can out of it, get their money back and run. Because there's nothing about this company that spells long-term success. Ugh. All right, next up. Improbable gets a $50 million funding from Netties. So I've talked about Improbable a lot lately. They're kind of one of the hot, newer companies coming up. And they're really known for their Spatial OS. So Spatial OS is a cloud gaming engine. Improbable is the developer of Spatial OS. And Netties is a conglomerate giant that along with Tencent and a few other of these other companies uh, is kind of the only gateway into Asia, if you will. So NetEase is handing Improbable $50 million, I guess, to make their own games with the Improbable's Spatial OS game engine. So it's a really weird funding thing. I guess not enough high-quality games and well-known games and hit games are using Spatial OS. And with a lot of these game engines the idea is like you have a few mega hits the mega hits lead the way and say hey here's how we made that mega hit with spatial os now you go make it and then hopefully they recoup everything and game engine fees i guess the funny thing is netties of course <laughs> they will help improbable bring spatial os to asian countries of course um I don't know what kind of minority stake Netties got for the $50 million, but they did get a chunk of Improbable. I'm still waiting for the first hit game made with Spatial OS. I don't really see the need for a particular OS just because it has native cloud gaming engine in it. I mean, if anyone remembers, Lumberyard was a spinoff of Crytek made by Amazon with AWS natively built into it. It went nowhere. I don't see this going anywhere. Really, game engines are chosen based on, like, speed and ease of use, and then, like, what kind of graphics can you put out, what kind of frame rate can you maintain, um, and everything else, like, platforms, across platforms. So, Unity is really good for, like, making a mobile game that can also run well on Switch and looks pretty good, and then Unreal is more known for, like, pushing graphics capabilities and still being able to be consistent across platforms. Um, yeah, I think Spatial OS still has a long way to go. And yet another interesting news item for the week. TSM's parent company, Swift, raises $37 million in Series A funding. So TSM stands for Team Solomid. I guess they're mainly known for League of Legends, but they do a variety of esports. Team Solomid is planning to use $20 million of the $37 million to build a new LA esports facility. That is absolutely batshit crazy. First of all, why do esports people need a facility? Frankly, all they need is an easy-bake oven to make frozen pizza and some comfortable chairs. Like, what the hell is a $20 million esports facility? And to make the story more interesting, the all-star round of investing was led by, and this is coming from Forbes, Ethan Kurtzwell of Bessemer Venture Partners, and then includes stars like NBA player Stephen Curry, Andre Iguodala, NFL player Steve Young, Yahoo co-founder Jerry Gang, Austrian telecommunication company Telstra, Twitch chief strategy officer Colin Carrier, and Simon property owner Steve Simon. That's crazy and it's just crazy that these people are dumping money and it's something i really don't know if they understand 
maybe the chief strategy officer of Twitch understands it, but come on, like, what esports company is turning around crazy profits? So this this whole thing's just crazy. But I love it. I love that esports is coming up. It's able to raise millions of dollars. Good for them. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I've yet to see the big payoff, I guess. So another smaller news that we have left. Knock Knock raises $2 million in seed round of funding. Knock Knock is a new messenger game company sadly without a product so the vcs are going in hard on messenger game companies and i don't see any returns yet two million dollars is a lot too um yeah i don't really know they don't even have a product yet which frankly these messenger games take like a month to build something of top 10 quality and they say they won't have a product on facebook messenger till the end of 2018 and they hope to have their first wechat product in 2019 that's insane like what's taking you guys so long and who gave them 2 million dollars so i don't quite see messenger platforms being a big hit in the game industry in north america because we don't have the problems in asia so in asia a lot of people see wechat as kind of the internet like wechat is how they interact with other people through messages, how they call people, um, how they play games with other people, how they look at news, how they search, right? And it has to do with a lot of the infrastructure in Asia and how the telecoms are structured and how the government handles things like the internet. And then over here, we don't have any of those problems, you know? Like, I still make calls and use SMS, um, I have multiple devices that I use to browse the internet in multiple different ways. I have game consoles. I have everything else. So I really don't see Facebook Messenger taking off in North America like WeChat does in Asia. So unless Knock Knock has some equity to hand to Tencent or NetEase or SoftBank or someone else, and they get into that WeChat Asia market, you're not going anywhere. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, next up, Vertigo Games launches a publishing company named Vertigo Arcade. So, Vertigo Games is pretty known in the VR space because they're known. They have the VR "quote unquote" experience game called Arizona Sunshine. Vertigo Games also, I think, is like one of the big developers who's really aiming at these VR arcades that are popping up. I think the latest stats were 300 VR and AR arcades over across the globe in 40 different countries. However, no titles or partners announced, and VR parks are pretty niche at the moment, so Vertigo Arcades is likely going nowhere fast. And finally, let's end on some bad news, because that's how I roll. We have UK developer Evolution Studios hit with layoffs. Numbers are unknown at the moment, but, I mean, it's not good, because their two uh, flagship products, Drive Club and Onrush, the director of both of those products was one of the employees laid off. So that pretty much says... The studio's done. It's done developing games. So, um, Evolution Studios was originally funded, I want to say, by a major publisher. I forgot who. Either Activision or Sony or someone. And then they were dropped. And then Codemasters picked them up. And then now this happened. And so, I think now they're just going to maintain as a support studio to the parent company, Codemasters. So, they're going to help with other games. But they're going to be a skeleton crew that's probably just there because of some contractual obligation or some kind of tax evasion or something else we're not privy to. Whew. Always ending with the bad news. Not good. Anyways, 
that's this week in games. I'm Eric McConnell. Stay tuned next week, and I'll see you guys then. Bye.